My name is Matt Brown. For those wondering what the great Wayman said in Everything Everywhere All at Once, he says, So you break my heart again, but I wanted you to know I wouldn't have mind in another life just doing laundry and taxes with you. Oof, doesn't that hit? So with that, let's start the show. The only thing I do know is that we have to be kind. Please, be kind. Especially when we don't know what's going on. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, March 9th, 2023. We have the Oscars this coming weekend. A huge Oscar previews podcast is just about to happen. And before we get into all this fun, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out on the world of social media. We're on Instagram, at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter, at BroadcomoPod, on TikTok, at Productive Conversations. So it's a huge weekend. Oscar weekend, you know, the award show that everybody says they don't care about, but have to comment the day after. Uh, well, an award show people like to hate, yet they cannot go away from it. They at least have some type of interest, especially us fellow cinephiles out here. And even if we don't agree with what the Academy Awards select, and even if we don't put a lot of weight to it as we used to because a good movie is a good movie at the end of the day the academy awards is always a good time and always very interesting to check out so this is the 95th edition of the academy awards jimmy kimmel is hosting this is going to be a year after the infamous oscar slap with chris rock and will smith and we're going to see how this all unfolds in a very interesting year in cinema where we had a full year of us back in the theaters, where we had authentic, independent cinema getting the recognition it deserves. You know, the art house, very in-depth cinema experience, if you will. And we also have huge franchise movies and sequels getting the recognition they deserve as well. So, of course, we have the productive Oscar crew to come at you and talk all things Academy Awards. The great Chris Bailey, the talented Chris Bailey, where you have seen him as an actor in Law and Order and various productions throughout the tri-state area. He is back with us to talk all things Academy Awards. I literally look forward to every single one of his movie reviews. And of course, he's a perfect person to bring back to talk all things Oscar, all things Oscars. Now, I will do a spoiler alert. I really going to make a push to explain why everything, everywhere, all at once should win the Academy, every single Oscar it's nominated for. One of the best movies I've ever seen. One of my top five favorite movies of all time. And one of the very few movies that really made me 
you know, reconsider life and think about what life really is. Now, that's how you know a movie is special. And even if this, for me personally, is a Everything Everywhere All at Once celebration podcast, and I hope it's literally that when we have our reaction podcast early next week, this is really is a very enjoyable show for me, talking all things Oscars and just celebrating another year in film. And there's a lot to recognize. There's a lot to talk about. So let's get into it with our great friend, Chris Bailey. It's your turn once again. Let's preview the Oscars 95. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Hey, everybody. It's that time of year again to talk about everybody's favorite award show, the award show people like to have an opinion on, whether you're a movie fan or not. A year that people say, I don't care about the Oscars. And then when the nominations come out, everybody gets upset one way or the other. And now we're here. And it's been another exciting year of movies and a full year of us back in the theaters and uh, honoring the great filmmakers and storytellers we have. So we're back to preview this year's Oscars. And we have our great friend, talented actor. <laughs> you've seen him on various productions in the tri-state area. You've seen him on Law & Order, and you're only going to see him in more stuff. Chris Bailey's back. Chris, hey, guys. What's up? Hey, what's up? What's up, guys? How are we doing? Um this is I I love coming back for this and I love the podcast so it's it's always exciting to come back talk about it's crazy that um it's already been a year since we did the last one um and uh yeah it it was an exciting year I would I would even go as far to say that I think I like this year's uh selection better than last year's so let's get into it I'm I'm excited dude I feel the exact same way and um and especially after we all know after the pandemic which is now reaching three years at this point people really threatened to see where the film industry would go but now after a solid time from vaccines and all of that and this is a true you know 2022 is a true first full year back in the swing of things i have to say and uh, yeah people just stepping up and a mixture of both exclusive theater films and streaming service films. It's a, you can't get upset about it. But besides that, tell the audience what you've been up to, Chris. How's everything been? Uh, I, I've been, I've been really, I've been doing well. I, um, uh, started the year off. Um, you know, it was, it was, it had a good new year's came into the new year. Um, I I'm an actor, as you mentioned before. So I I've been auditioning. I uh, I just uh, I signed with a new agency at the beginning of this year, which oh, is which is great. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and then um, and then, yeah, just a lot of auditions. Uh, I'm living in a new house in New Jersey with two of my best friends. So that's been great. And I've been doing all like the side hustle stuff on the side. I, I help a DJ out sure. um, most weekends. And then I started doing little things like DoorDash and, and stuff like that just to, you know, survive <laughs> while I'm waiting for the next acting job. But but it, it, 2023 is off to a great start. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what the the rest of the year brings. And and one more thing I'll say is that I, I don't know if I can really talk about it, but I do have a small role um, in a film coming out this year in June. Oh, um, really? Like so a that, big so, studio film? And, uh... Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. It's 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 a it's a you know it's a, it's a couple lines part, but it is in like a pretty big studio uh, comedy. Let's go. So again, so you you're just gonna keep that part of the down low what the actual project is. Yeah, I mean, I I I, I don't. I probably could talk about it, but I'll, I'll just keep it. I I will post about it when the time comes. So I'll, All right. I'll be sure to let everybody know. Perfect. And you know, we at the Productive Conversations and the team love you back and love to see what you're doing. And thank you for all those kind words that you said. Uh, that really means a lot to me. And of course. Uh, like I said, I can't wait. And I'll say it again and I'll continue to say it. Just can't wait to see where you go, man. Such a talented person Chris <laughs> Bailey is. And we can't wait to see the uh, the big projects he's in in June. And also... Chris was in Law and Order this past year. You could even see him do a scene with Anthony Anderson. Uh, what was that like before? Can you just tell me a little bit about that experience of Law and Order, and then uh, we'll get into the uh, yeah, yeah, the of course, uh, yeah. That that was it. Was really, I mean, it was pretty surreal. It's like it's a show, and it's a you know a franchise that is so like beloved and like so, like yeah. you know just you know every like dick wolf owns thursday nights like he he has so many shows out so many different law and orders and fbis and so like it was it was surreal being like in in that room and like seeing the the sets that they use they had i got to see the office like yeah. space and I got to be in the interrogation room, which is obviously a, a setting that that most scenes are you know are, are shot in. Um, uh, it, it was great. It was it, it, it was, um, it, you know, Anthony Anderson was mm-hmm. was super funny, um, uh, and like just a really s- sweet guy. It was also really cool because you know I grew up watching him, but then at the same time the 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 other guy that was playing the other uh main detective uh his name is Jeffrey Donovan and he mm-hmm. was in a sh- he was in a show called uh Burn Notice uh oh, yeah. on USA if you're if 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 any of the viewers are unfamiliar with that uh that me and my family would watch a decent amount when I was younger so it was cool being it, it being that them being my scene partners for that like cuz oh, it's man. just I grew up you know kang- kangaroo jack was such a big movie for me when i was young too uh and anthony anderson uh is one of the leads in that so it, i mean it was just so cool and um uh, i got to do sh- i got to shoot two days on that one was on on the sets at their like stages area and another day was on the upper uh east side i had to like run down an alleyway or something because i they, they 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 catch me on surveillance Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was cool. It's, it seems like a lot of, uh, New York actors have at least one, uh, law and order credit. So yeah. I feel like it, it's, it, I, I've been told it's a rite of passage. So it's, it, that, that was really, really awesome. That's what I was going to say. It seems you really put that huge check mark on your resume and list. And again, congratulations. Like I said, this is only the start. This is so cool. And when you become an A-lister, I hope you you <laughs> come on some more as we try yeah, to grow this course. brand as well. <laughs> I'd, l- I'd love to. Yes. What a win. What a win. <laughs> awesome. Awesome stuff, Chris. It really is. So with that, let's talk about the past year at cinema and our Academy Awards. So you you briefly yeah. mentioned how you felt like this this uh, collection of films this year was better than last year's. Can you just uh, brand? Can you just elaborate a little more on that for me? Yeah, of course. Um, I mean, just just looking off the best pictures alone, mm-hmm. and and it, it, it goes even beyond that. I would say I I feel like 
there. And I, I think I may, I probably said this about last year too, but I feel like this year, especially that mm. it's such a, like, it's such a diverse uh, group of, of films. And, and it, it was a lot of things that I think people are eager for these days. It, there right. was a lot, there was, there were, we, we had the personal family dramas. We have the, um, you know, sort of eccentric, strange artsy type films. Mm-hmm. We have, we have the action packed blockbusters that, 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 Honestly, it would seem are keeping theaters alive in, in right. when we t- when we talk about like at the Avatar Way of Water, we talk about Top Gun Maverick. Um, it, it was just a, there was a lot of um, I think different uh, vibes and things that caught people's attention this year, and I think it led to an exciting year, uh, you know, at the at the theaters. Um, and I. I um, I struggled to, I, I, you know, I'd have to pull it up, but I struggle to remember. I, I, I don't know if last year's was as memorable as this year. I think this was a really good year. Well, I think it's fair to say, obviously, everybody remembers the slap last year. and We talked about it. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Stole the show, <laughs> so we can only see what will go wrong with this year's Oscars. But I think you make a great point, a great List of films, especially the best picture nominee, the best picture list that features both, you know, independent dramas and hardcore blockbusters. We used to have some comedy thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Films will always a best picture will get your social commentary, and then some films to just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And I will say there is one film in particular that I think will really be highlighted in this. And I'll elaborate that throughout. But besides that, we, I just love the mix of both streaming films and then going to the theater and enjoying it, even if it costs $20 to get in, but what are you going to do? Yeah. No, I hopped. I you gotta hop on the AMCA list. If you have it already, (laughs) that's what I've been doing recently. Yeah. You know, I've been, uh, I've been uh, needing to do that. Now, I usually get my film watching in right before bed, at least this past year. I will okay. go to the cinema. Um, I try to go every other weekend. But, you know, we're just, just trying to fit in our ways and our busy lives while growing. But uh, of course, yeah. I can't wait to see more of the films in the... I I would say I went to the f- movies. I went to see 10 in the theater, 2022. And the most, the rest of them are my iPad and then uh whatever tv i'm watching but you know soon especially when we get some get some more free time we'll be sitting back relaxing and having our theater experience yeah of course um but uh yeah it was it was exciting i'm 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 excited to talk about all of these categories i feel like i had a thought of something but i don't remember what i was gonna say the amca was they took me <laughs> no worries uh, but the big thing the the free plug get your amc and amc passes to just slip right in there get your uh in the improved seating facilities and let's keep these theaters alive and yeah, that's the one thing exactly. that i think we can assure that the theaters aren't going anywhere now it might be mostly franchise films and you'll have to go to your indie theaters to check out you know the more the more uh, human experience human interest stories but still a movie's a movie and we could enjoy it one way or the other exactly so let's get to it let's go through our categories like we did last year so we'll go through each of the the big categories 
you know, go the uh, obviously the acting categories, best picture, directing and screenplay uh, and all of that. And then, uh, of course, we will react to it um, early next week and we'll see where things where we are right once again or wrong. And then we'll see what the uh, big controversy will be this year. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I don't think we'll be lucky enough to get any uh, violent <laughs> violence or slaps this year. Yeah, Jimmy Kimmel. But said I guess you never. Uh, you never know. Jimmy Kimmel said none of that. He's not for. Yeah. He literally said, "I will beat the shit out of someone who tries to slap someone." <laughs> I mean, so you know, like, you know, they'll bring that up. That, that that'll be a joke in this year's one hundred percent. I mean, nothing has been more obvious in an award show this year. And, uh, Will Smith is banned. I think he's banned five years from the ceremony, so they won't keep the tradition of the best actor nominating the best actress. So we'll uh, that. We'll oh, see that's right. Who, we'll see who they pick this year. The first runner up, maybe the year before's winner, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, we will have to see. But let's have some fun. Let's break down these films once and for all. So the big thing we're all waiting for. The best picture nominees. Mm-hmm. Who does Matt and Chris think is going to take home the golden statue? Now, we have a nice, diverse list. I've seen every single one except women talking, but mm-hmm. I still see it. And the best picture nominees include Netflix is All Quiet on the Western Front. We have Avatar The Way of the Water, The Banshees of Insurin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Mavic, Triangle Success, and then again, Women Talking. Those are your 10 Best Picture nominees. Christopher, once and for all, for the 95th Academy <laughs> Awards, who do you think is going to be the best picture this year? Um, so I, I'll start off by saying I've seen every single one of these besides I, – I, I, I'm going to watch Tar tomorrow, I believe, because yes, I – Yes, check it out, Peepcock. Because it just, I think it, I think it just got put on Peacock, and then I, I do still need to see Women Talking. I haven't found where I could watch that one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking on those really quickly, I'll just say that I, I've heard both of them are excellent, and yes. um, uh, but I, I, I mean, I feel like there's a couple that I would, there's a lot actually that I would be okay with winning, mm-hmm. but I. I think that ultimately they will go with everything everywhere all at once. At least that's what I'm hoping for. Listen, and I'll spoil it here. I think everywhere, all of everything, everywhere, all at once will have a historic night. I really think they they could sweep almost all of their categories, except the ones where they've double nominees, not taking away from the other films, because like you said, there really are some great films. I mean, All Quiet on the Western Front which is obviously a classic book and was an original film in the 30s, which was a very hard-hitting war, war film. I think The Fablemans hit a, uh, a a special place in people's hearts, obviously honoring Steven Spielberg's story. Elvis was very surprising. What a very good Baz Lutheran movie that was. Yeah. Uh, the Banshees. I, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all of those quite a, quite a bit because they're all very different too. Yeah, Triangles of Sadness. Now, I felt that was a great movie up until the third act. I think the third act was a little all over the place for me, at least. I, I, see what- I actually, <laughs> I actually just watched Triangle of Sadness right before this, and I, mm-hmm. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. But yeah, but besides that, 
all really enjoyable and like and I'm sure women talking will be the same way. And um but for me, I agree with everything ever all at once for best picture. That is a special movie, I really think. Mm-hmm. The movie comes out in April and yet we're still talking about it a year later. And if it just the just for those who did not see it, just a very quick synopsis, and it's on Showtime if you want to check it out. The plot centers around Everlyn Wang, a Chinese-American immigrant who, while being audited by the IRS, discovers that she must connect with a parallel universe versions of herself to prevent a powerful being from destroying the multiverse. And, you know, I know that's very heavy <laughs> to read at first, but it's a a well-produced drama film that hits every single that has hits every aspect of filmmaking you want to see amazing performance by the actors well directed insanely well edited the production design is top notch and the thing for me that really hit i mean that there's a few movies that really make you reconsider life and see how you know when movies really work when it really makes you think about life and this movie after it was all said and done i was like wow this uh, this is gonna have a profound effect on me did you feel the same way for you yeah yeah for yeah 100 i mean it was extremely touching i saw it three times last year mm-hmm. once twice in theaters and then once with a group of friends a, a couple months probably after it came out totally worth and it. yeah i i i fully agree fully agree it was well first of all i thought I, I, th- I feel like multiverse concepts can be sort of difficult to digest at times, but I felt like mm-hmm. the Daniels did a nice job of sort of laying it out and explaining it without, you know, talking down to the audience too much or yeah. like they, they trust us to sort of follow along, but they also give us the tools to sort of, um, you know, help guide us a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ultimately, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's like it, it was a beautiful story of like yeah. of, you know, appreciating the things you have. I think of one of the I won't spoil it if you haven't seen it, but uh, a discussion between the uh, the main characters in a different uh, universe, the husband and wife and just and realizing that, you know, maybe the things that you have where you currently are is like you, you need to sort of step back and appreciate that. Yeah. And I think that's that's a wonderful message that that anyone can relate to. Yeah, I think that, I mean obviously this is also huge a little side step, but this is really huge and awesome for the Asian community. Oh yes. Um, and so I, it it would it would be lovely to see them. Uh, I I would be so okay with them sweeping honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is that good of a movie, and it's just it's just it's you just feel bad for the other films that. I won't say they don't stand a chance, but this movie, as you said, both socially relevant and brings us in a world that, you know, we're not Asian Americans, but we under, but for this film really understands some of the trauma that they have experienced trying to accumulate in a different world and trying to make it and just a immigrant story that, you know, we can all understand, maybe not relate to if you're not an immigrant, but at least understand trying to fit in and uh, trying to establish yourself in this very difficult world and go up against the evil IRS too. I like that, <laughs> I like that being a antagonist. And yeah. 
Yeah, and this movie, and I mean, this movie, this is a kung fu movie. This this movie will make you laugh. This movie will make you cry. This movie will just make a profound impact. And sure, this is, I, it's fair to say, bias aside, but I really think this would be like a top 10 movie, favorite movie of all time for me. Mm, yeah, it's, I think this will, this almost feels like the movie that down the line we will show people like 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 it's like sort of like the matrix like like i think of like the matrix like like a a movie that sort of like like i'm sure it it could very well potentially took inspiration from movies such as the matrix and stuff like that but it's just like this is like this movie will stand the test of time of being like one of the best movies to come out uh, in our lifetimes absolutely Um, this this is this is that good of a movie yeah, I, I I'll stand by that. Uh, and and just to touch on the other things, like I, I really would be like I that is my pick for it. But like I I loved I loved Banshees. That's like probably my top two. Um, I I I loved Fablemans. I love I, all the ones on this on this list. Maybe with the exception of Triangle of Sadness, which I really liked, but maybe didn't love. Mm-hmm. Um. I really enjoyed a lot. Even even Elvis, I was surprised by as well. I thought it was it was very you know felt like a shot of adrenaline right to the <laughs> you know right to the chest. Um, but yeah, it was, the editing it was that a, alone. Yeah, yeah, it's, it was a very fast paced and exciting. Um, but yeah, I think I think every everything everywhere all once will will take it, and it's my pick for sure. Same here, and I think everybody who. We'll see this movie and give it its fair chance. We'll feel the same way we feel regarding this. So best picture, everything, everywhere, all at once. Check it out for that. Now, if we transfer over to the best director award, a nice a nice list of veteran filmmakers with also one in particular, or I should say two, two, new, two somewhat new kids on the block. And... Uh, I think we know where we're going here, but the best director list includes Martin McDonough uh, and the Banshees of Insurance, the Daniels, Daniel Kwan, and Daniel, forgive me if I mispronounce, Schneidhart, Schneider, for everything, everywhere, all at once. Steven Spielberg, once again with the Fablemans. Todd Field making a comeback for his first film in a couple of decades with Tar. And Ruben Ostlund. Triangle of Sadness. And forgive me, I will mess up. I will mispronounce some names, but I am working on it there. But I think um, the Daniels are going to get this. Two former uh, music video directors. They did Swiss Army Men about a farting corpse, which somehow was uh, (laughs) actually really good. And then here we are, everything, everywhere, all at once. My pick is going to be them. I believe they also directed the Turndown for what video? Oh no way! I didn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> Let me just confirm that while you tell me who you think are the best directors. Sure. Director. Uh, I um, I can't speak on Tar, obviously, but I, 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 I'm between McDonough, the Daniels, and Spielberg. I thought all of them were. Um, I, I think all of them are. Well, I think everyone in this category is worthy, but of the of the award but i they're they're probably three of my favorite choices um um i i i i want each of them to win for different reasons i think spielberg is gonna win okay Ooh, tell me about that (laughs) i i mean i thought the fablemans was excellent and i i 
I'm I'm curious to see, and I think a possibility is that the the academy will will look fondly on the sort of personal um, approach to this film, um, and I think he's just so highly respected that I feel right. like they might get they might give it to him for that. Um, but then again. I I I'm a big fan of Mark McDonough's directing and writing. It could go to him. And I thought, I mean, the Daniels had a like a Herculean task. It, it would seem <laughs> uh, putting this together and figuring everything out. So I mean, just for all the work they must have had to do for that, I think they deserve it as well. It's really hard to pick. It's it's a pretty stacked category this year. Yeah, fair enough. And you know, especially if anyone was. You know, Spielberg definitely made the the Fableman semi-autobiographical, but we all know that it's about him. But anyone who deserves to make a movie such as this one, it is him. So I can see him winning his third statue as a as a what's the word? Not a lifetime achievement, but as another uh, as another acknowledgement of his long, steady career and making all these blockbusters and special movies that would make sense. But for me, I'm going to go with the Daniels because of how all the filmmaking aspects mesh well together, as mentioned before, getting these incredible performance out of their actors, their choices and various at various hitting beats at certain times. And um, again, but somehow making me make having a film to make us laugh in certain comedic points and also hitting our emotions when we needed it the most. I think they are worthy to win it. But um you make some great points uh, the others as well ultimately see where it goes now the best actor ga- category this is a very interesting one as well to t- discuss which includes an incredible comeback story a um we see a renaissance if you will <laughs> exactly renaissance <laughs> we have Colin Farrell well first start with that Brendan Fraser in the whale playing as Charlie Colin Fair on the bench is instrument, paying Patrick. I'm not even going to attempt that last name, <laughs> but yes, I will. Sulia Bion. I, I clearly didn't hear it when I watched it on HBO Max. Austin Butler playing Elvis, and it seems he's still playing Elvis. And, uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. He's rocking that one, the Golden Globe. Paul Mascal in After Sun. And, you know, I actually saw that as well. Very heartwarming father, daughter. Yeah. Film. I love that. I thought that was fantastic. And I can't say I saw Bill Nye in Living, but uh, he played Mr. Rodney Williams, and I'm sure that was a, a real one. But we have to honor Brendan Fraser. We have to complete this amazing comeback story, Chris. And we all know Chris, <laughs> Brendan Fraser, a special, I think, for people our age. It was is an incredible actor we saw in The Mummy or George of the Jungle and Looney Tunes back in action. I know he had quite a lot of demons and was struggling for a decade. And then who would have thought Darren Aronofsky of uh, with a great career in himself was the one who saw him. And I, I can't remember the Showtime show. I believe it was The Affair. And then he felt like, yeah, let's bring him in for this. And it uh, it's a film. I feel the whale... Was a good movie. Maybe didn't love it as much, but Brendan Fraser makes it worthwhile watching in a very convincing performance as an overweight 
as an oh, I should say obese college professor trying to reconnect with his daughter. It is a tough watch, but one worth watching. And I think that's another performance. I'll give that and everything ever all at once as a films that made me really think about your life and um, how much time you have left and value important relationships you have in your life. And I think Charlie per- shows that with a great performance by Brendan Fraser. How do you feel about this? Um, I I agree with you on the um, the idea that that I, I enjoyed the the performance um, uh, Brendan Fraser's performance uh, stands out to me a, a little more than uh, the movie um, <laughs> itself. Not to say that I, I think everyone was wonderful in it, and I, I I was I questioned some choices with the with the, with the way some uh, um, scenes sort of panned out and the way some information was, was uh, uh, sort of given to us towards the beginning. I felt like there could have been a little more subtlety with that, but other than that, um, he, I mean, he, he, he like broke my heart. Like he was mm-hmm. fantastic. And it, it just, he, every, every, you could, you could just see him like when you forget that these people are acting like that's like the point. And like, you just, you just, he just felt so connected exactly. to every single thing. You you could tell he clearly did, you know, his homework. It, it, it to me, it, it didn't feel like, like that is something that could easily become like a caricature mm-hmm. um, or, you know, you can like, that could be like something that could be made fun of in some way, which, you know, right. media has, media has done, I feel like, you know, countless times. Um, but, uh, I feel like he was very respectful of that and he just was so in the moment. And I, I believed every single word and every single action, um, Every I just believed everything he did. I I I think I think he he takes it for me, but I I, I could see I could see them going with Butler. I thought he was fantastic. <laughs> um, I could also um I I, I love Colin Farrell's like one of my favorite actors, and I'd love <laughs> to see him win. But I it might I think it's it, it seems like it's probably leaning heavily towards Brendan Fraser, right? And even Paul Mescal should get some love himself it's too bad i don't have an honorable mention uh yeah he can't be an oscar but at least list (laughs) he was yeah he was incredible and i think i think his time will come i i don't know if it's if he he will get nominated again and i i think he is is a is a surefire win at some point i think this is only the beginning for him and, and 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 Bill Knight, I, I I haven't seen Living yet either, but I mean he's an iconic actor. Yeah, I love da- Davy Jones mm-hmm. from Pirates of the Caribbean is one of my favorite. Obviously, I know there's a lot of effects in that one, but uh, I mean he's incredible. And so if he won, it would it would be understandable as well. I think all of these actors are are worthy of of the award. Yeah, and also with the Elvis role, the, I mean, Austin Butler, who we will see have an established career more beyond the Disney Channel Nickelodeon kid. And look what he's done now. And, I mean, he really was Elvis. His nuances, obviously his voice that he's still bringing with him, 
<laughs> and he's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt like I was literally watching Elvis, not to be cliche like that. And there is something to that. But uh, Brendan Fraser, I think it's his time to uh, to win an Oscar for his role. And as we transfer over to the Best Actress side, we have Kate Blanchett in Tar, which, I mean, Kate Blanchett, it's weird to say she's underrated because she's been, she's a two-time Academy Award winner and is just kills it in all her roles. But I still feel like, more people should talk about how she's one of the best living actor, uh, female actors right now. And we have Ana de Armas in Blonde, which, if you were to be honest, I was surprised. I don't think that, that was an Oscar-worthy performance. That was a tough movie to watch for the wrong reasons. And Andrea Rosenberg, uh, sorry, Andrea Risenborough for two Leslie playing Leslie La- Rollins, by the way. Um, Tar is Lydia Tar, and then uh, Marilyn Monroe for Ana de Armas. But there was actually people protesting and thought that she didn't deserve her Oscar nomination, which I was very surprised. I actually did see two Leslie. We'll see my guy, Mark Marin, who did really well in it. But um, she she was used and played another heartbreaking role facing addiction. And then we have Michelle Williams in The Fableman. She could do no wrong. And then Michelle Yeoh, who I'm going to pick again, <laughs> playing uh, – uh, first, Michelle Williams plays Mitzi Fableman, and then we have Evelyn Kwan Wang at Michelle Yeoh's character, and it's time to give her. She keeps winning every, whether it's the SAG Awards, Golden Globe, she BAFTA, she keeps winning it, and I think it'll end with her winning an Oscar in a role of a mother balancing both her generational um her gener her generational norms, standing up for one thing, but understanding that things are changing. Which I th- I mean I'm not a mother, but I'm sure a lot of mothers would connect to this, and I think she does it well in a very honest, raw performance. Yeah, she. I'm 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 gonna go with Michelle Yo to 100. Um, percent She's able to tackle so many between the action, the emotion. Um, it's a very the the movie moves at a mile a second. I feel like in a good way. It's not. It doesn't feel rushed. Um, and I I was so impressed off first viewing of just. I mean, she's obviously she's been at this for a while, and she's absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I it's just so impressive to see an actor who can sort of just be in the moment and and okay i'm talking to one person now but then oh i hear like you know there's something going on in the other room that i need to address like that opening laundromat scene there's so many different things and i i just her her use of the space and her just the way she would navigate different tiny little interactions was was masterful um and obviously she's she has experience with kung fu and the action so she you know was was electric in those scenes um i i 100 100% thinks think that she should take this home i i haven't seen tar as i said yet but i've heard Kate Blanchett is fantastic. I haven't seen Blonde, and I have not seen Two Leslie. Uh, I heard Blonde was a really rough watch, and I honestly don't really intend on watching Blonde, if I'm being honest. You don't um, need to. It's a fictional story about Marilyn Monroe as well, and I think it's a bit excessive to be to be blunt about it. Sort of what I 
I, I heard as well. Um, I heard Andrea Riseborough was excellent. And I, I mean, I, if I had to pick a, a runner up, I'd pick Michelle Williams at the moment. Cause I thought she was, she was really, she gave a really beautiful performance yeah. as, um, as Steven Spielberg's or, you know, it, 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 you know, I guess, it, you know, and inter- the interpretation of Steven Spielberg's mother. For sure. And she also played a character with legit flaws and some flaws that really upset you as the viewer, which is, I think, the point of very good character that you like, but also like, wow, she's she kind of sucks, too. But I think that's just on and yeah, on just, the performance out of it. Yeah, just I mean, that's like, you know, just the flaws are like what make us human at the end right. of the day. So like, it's, you know, it's, you sort of shake your head and going like, why, why would you, you know, how could you do something like that? But then, you know, you, you got to sort of dig deep a little bit and maybe try to see where they're coming from on their side. Um, and right. as, as you said, that's, that, that's, what's exciting about a character is when you, you know, not everything can be, you know, amazing like we need to see a sort of peaks and valleys yeah we need to see some arcs legit within conflict. a character and michelle yeah. yo talk about those arcs i mean when i see her kicking some ass and the kung fu scenes and then i see her <laughs> at the end with um how her character grows up and how she's able to fit into that character development what a win for michelle yo and just curious in an alternate universe i guess the character was originally intended for Jackie Chan. I don't know if you heard this story. I, d- that, I did. What do you think? Do you think he would have been able to pull this off? Um, completely. It would be a very different movie, I would say. But I mean, he would he would obviously be able to handle, I think, you know, sort of the, the, the fight sequences and stuff like that. But I think with the story that they were telling, it, it was it was just it ended up being like sort of lightning in a bottle sort of like cast and story. Like I can't really imagine him doing it at this point because I'm so like attached to how it was done. You know, I definitely see what you mean, but I think the right thing happened and it was Michelle Yeoh's role. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind. We'll see here with a golden statue. Now, if we go to the other side of things, talk about the supporting actors' roles. First, with the supporting male actor, and we have Brendan Gleeson, the Banshee of Insurin, playing Colm Doherty. And I will say, Banshees of Insurin. That what an Irish movie! That movie's just so Irish. Uh, <laughs> it is incredibly Irish. <laughs> we have Brian Tyree Henry and Causeway playing James all. Uh, a coin now i did not see causeway on apple tv plus with jennifer lawrence i'm just not that interested in it but i'm sure it's a great movie judd hurst it was, was you were saying or i was i was just commenting that causeway was was very good and he he was he was quite excellent in it oh then maybe yeah you changed my mind maybe i'll give it a chance i always trust the chris bailey's opinion <laughs> we had judge hurst with a small but awesome role in the fableman playing boris and shit kraut oh man i can't wait to see reactions with those mispronouncing names and they're just going to continue but we're going to keep trying barry coogan in the banshees of insurance playing dominic K- kearney and then kihu kwan Everything everywhere all at once playing Wayman Wong. Come on. We have to give it to Ki Hu Kwan, the man with an incredible comeback story himself from short round in the Indiana Jones franchise. 
to uh to this taking almost what a 20 25 year break from acting due to mm. his troubles getting cast in a roles and look at him now with a very very emotional performance that guy made me laugh the most in the movie that guy had some powerful quotes that I'll always play in my head and just one of the most raw emotional performances I've seen in a long time. Another obvious one, somebody who keeps winning an award season. This is going to mm. be a special night for him. What do you think about this, Chris Bailey? Um, I I mean, I think th- this is honestly, this is like usually always my favorite category every mm. year. Cause I, I, the supporting actor and actress, I feel like they're so, they're so interesting because the characters you find within the categories are so like, they really like they're you know they're obviously not deleting it, but they they uh, most of the time they in my opinion steal the show. Yeah. Um, and I gotta go. I gotta go with Ki Hui Kwan uh, here. I, I, forgive me if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But uh, he he was it's another one sort of in the similar vein of uh brendan fraser where it was just it felt so like incredibly genuine um that it was just it, it, it was so moving and, and th- th- some of the monologues that he had he, he i mean he if you've seen it you probably know he has like the the line yeah. he has like the line of the movie um <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. The one that, ev- that the one that everyone sort of looks back and makes makes uh, edits about <laughs> on TikTok, um, and rightfully but, so. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, and I think, as you said, it's sort of like he he's sort of ran the circuit at this point of of winning all of the other awards. I think this 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 ceremony will be no different. I think he's taking it home, and I think I think the speech is going to be beautiful as as the rest of them have been um oh yeah and i i just to touch on the other i all i've seen i've seen all these other performances and i think they're all fantastic um um and so i i I would be happy with with any other win but i think um he is taking it, taking taking home the top prize. <laughs> Just seeing Brendan and Key with Oscars shows you to keep pushing, not only in show business, but in anything you do, because you just never know where life takes you. I think that would just be such a great story and a legitimate one, especially in a world where it seems that nothing goes right, at least here with some actors who take the time to entertain us in this tough world. They should rightfully win their Oscars and show why you can't give up awesome stuff there. Now, if we go to the best supporting actress category with Angela Vassett getting another <laughs> Oscar nomination in black Panther Wakanda forever playing queen Ramonda. We have Hong Kwai in the whale as Liz, which she was really good in actually um, playing the caregiver for Brendan Fraser's Charlie with Carrie Condon in the Banshees of insurance playing Shaban. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we have Jamie Lee Curtis, everything everywhere, all at once, playing a legitimate antagonist through the film. Well, one of two, both of these are the antagonists, but I like I like the both the reality antagonist and then the 
multiverse one and that multiverse is stephanie hughes and um everything everywhere all at once playing joy wang and jobu tupaki and it's gonna go to either one of those two in my opinion but i think this is actually quite wide open but i say give it to the veteran jamie lee curtis and who just mm. played somebody I figured that I would hate dealing with the IRS and just playing an authority figure who was a pain in the ass. But Stephanie is a very close second, but I would give it to Jamie Lee Curtis. I think it'd be really great coming from Hollywood royalty and it'd be a nice to see her win a gold statue. Do you feel the same? Um, I, this, this is a, a really stacked category as well. There's a, an extreme amount of talent here for sure. Um, I I feel like I, I'm – it's hard. I, I, I lean towards one of the everything, everywhere, all at once mm-hmm. performers. I'm not really sure which one, but I also kind of have a special place in my heart for uh, the Carrie Condon performance in Banshees. Mm-hmm. Um I just there was such a like um, she captured like a beautiful state of like being stuck and like of a yeah. of a lone of a loneliness and a sort of as the aspiration of of sort of wanting more out of life, but you know not really knowing life outside of their small like Irish community, um, and so I would re- I'd be excited if she won. I thought Hong Chao was very good, but I think. Um, I, I just enjoyed some of the other performances more. And then, you know, Angela Bassett did the thing. <laughs> you <know it>. uh, <laughs> so, uh, and I mean, she was, she was, um, she's amazing. And she's such a, she was extremely fierce in uh, Wakanda forever. But I think, uh, uh, I can't, I, it's hard for me to pick, but I think everything, everywhere, all at once will most likely take it. But I, I, I'd also be excited if Carrie Condon took it. <laughs> All right, so either one of those two performances, I like it, I like it, I definitely agree. Hmm. And now my personal favorite, I really like the writing categories every year to see where it goes. Best original screenplay, we have Banshees once again, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fableman's Tar and Triangle for Success. And I'll have to say, can you get more original than Everything Everywhere All at Once? <laughs> Give it to the Daniels for that. <laughs> and... um where everything just goes right in. We're focusing on the writing aspects with incredible dialogue, some memorable some memorable one-liners, some incredible characterizations, and all in out a story that is, again, very original. Now, I know the multi-universe has been highlighted in the MCU especially, but taking that aspect out and focusing it on how it relates to all of our lives and all our multiverses, this... Uh, really hits home and for something that really is complex on paper making it so simple that's a real win the daniel should take this one what do you say um i i think overall i'm thinking i'm thinking daniel's take it too i think to to construct a, a screenplay of that of that capacity with so many different sort of aspects and, and you know scenes and and the different types of settings and whatnot to to sort of compile all that together into one script um is is admirable for sure um 
I can't even imagine what the writer's room for that must have been like. It must have been a lot of like really sitting down and trying to, you know, really cracking down and trying to figure out how to make everything, you know, move seamlessly, you know, trying to, you know, trying to make it make sense for the audience. Um, I, I think I, I love Martin, Martin McDonough's uh, sort of, uh, quick fast-paced um dialogue i've always been a fan of his right he's one of my favorite playwrights as well uh and i think it's a it's a really wonderful comedic uh but also dark script um i think there's a lot of subtlety to a lot of the the dialogue and the performances and so i thought that was a wonderful screenplay as well i i would be completely okay with that winning um, the Fablements obviously is very, you know, personal to Steven Spielberg's life. And I think he obviously really put his heart into this one and, and it shows in that, in that screenplay as well. And then Tar, I uh, haven't seen yet. And then Triangle of Sadness, I thought had a really, um, really fun script as well. Um, but I think everything, every all once ultimately deserves it, but I could I could go a couple different ways, honestly, with this one. Yeah, and rightfully so. Again, I'll still keep my bias for the um, everything, everywhere, all at once. But a lot of good, legitimately original stories here in a world where a lot of people think on the on the um, I'm on a mainstream level. We're just doing remakes and reboots and franchising. But there you go with five legitimate stories that I think anyone could get behind. Transferring that over to the adapted screenplay category, <clears throat> All Quiet on the Western Front, and we have Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery. Great Ryan Johnson writes that, and uh, he based that on Knives Out. All Quiet on the Western Front is based on the original novel, and we have Living again, something that I missed out on, but Kazu by but Kazu Ijuguru. And he's based out on the original ski play Ikiru by Akira Kurosawa and two other people with names that I want to do not want to miss up pronouncing. <laughs> but um, I mean, anything based on Akira Kurosawa is a real win. <clears throat> we have Top Gun Maverick as a nice nod, a special film for the film goer this year. The screenplay itself by a few people, and then the story is based on Top Gun itself. And then we have Women Talking by Sarah Polly, Sarah Polly based on the novel. Again, I haven't seen that. So with me, I'm going to go with Glass Onion, Ryan Johnson. I um, personally find that movie a very interesting tale, even though I know it's turning into a franchise itself, but when we have now one of my new favorite characters in all of cinema, Benoit Blanc, and seeing introducing all these new characters with incredible performance by actors and a murder mystery with, I guess it's not exactly who done it, but how they did it. And then, of course, any whodunit movie makes you think you're watching the whole thing, all right, how this unfold. And then, not to spoil it, a real twist on the whodunit genre. I think it was done successfully, was very entertaining, and it kept you at the edge of your seat with so many interesting characters throughout. 
all led by Benoit Blanc. And I just, I hear that this is going to be, we're getting a lot more of movies featuring him and that's going to be awesome. So I'm giving Ryan Johnson this one. What do you say for your tip pick, Chris? Um, I, I, this one I could, I could see going a couple different ways. I, I fully, Glass Onion was a, was a blast. I really enjoyed that. And I was happy I got to see that one in theaters, um, in the, in the brief span that it was, um, out, uh, near me. I think it was like a week release. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, the, the, it, it, I, I find it very impressive when, a writer can sort of subvert our expectations and um, turn the whodunit genre on its head. Um, just yeah, when you think easy. that, just just when you think that the there isn't anything else you could do with it, uh, you learn that you know there's you know when you really sit down and think about it, the the right writer can can sort of open your eyes and make it fresh again. <laughs> Um, so yeah, glass onion, I, I, I could see definitely winning. Um, I, I, I loved all quiet on the Western front. I thought it was, um, I've never read the, it's based on the book you said. Yes. And I don't know if you ever see the movie back from the early thirties. I, I haven't. Very, very good. Very, I think, um, God, it's very special actor, original actor is in it. Um, Shit, shit, sorry. A uh oh, I guess not. Um yeah, back in the nineteen nineteen thirty, based on the nineteen twenty-nine novel, which I've seen, like is very, very old movie, but very entertaining too, and this uh blows it away. I, even though I think the remake is much better, or I should say this adapted version is much better. It um it's still a classic there. But I could definitely see why you'd say best that that I think just adds a little more to the war genre. And I know war genres, there's just so many and there, there's just so many of them. And I know that as any genre, it has its tropes that we see over and over again. But I think um, in this particular case, really focusing on the characters a little more than the war itself, I think was a real highlight and why um, it can get this this win. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I thought it was they were able to really depict the the brutality and the unforgiving nature of of war. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, yeah, focus a little less on character development, um, although we do get a, a, a decent amount of on, on specific characters. We learn a little bit about their past. Um but I thought it, yeah, it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, and just the the cycle of violence that they, I thought they captured that really well. The sort of sending, the the uniforms being just sort of recycled for the next group. That right. it, it, there was a lot of like really, like tough images to stomach, um, and so I I, I feel like. I'm going to go with either one of those. Although I'd also, I loved top. I thought top gun was fantastic. So I'd be okay with that too. Definitely, definitely would feel the same way. So now if we look at the uh, best cinematography category, another favorite of mine, of course, and best cinematography, getting the overall look of the film. And we have all quiet on the Western front. We have Bardo 
false chronicle of a handful of truths, something I missed out on, did not see that. We have Elvis, Empire of Light, uh, Empire of Light, and then we have Tar. So I did not see Bardo or Empire of Light, but I did see uh, Tar. I did see Tar acquiring the Western Front and Elvis. And might as well talk about it here again. I think All Quiet on the Western Front, very dark, very claustrophobic, very anxious. And I only wish I saw it in the theater so I can have those emotions pushed a little more. I think Mm. they were successful in bringing me in that war, in that war environment. And... I really felt like I was there, even if that's cliche to say. I really felt like um, I was put in that just terrible conflict the world was dealing with in World War One, which people say is the deadliest war on record, and uh, that really was apparent here. So I'm mm. going with uh, All Quiet and the Rest in Front with James Friend as the uh, winner for Best Cinematography. Yeah, I could I could totally see it going that way. I thought it was it was they really captured, as I said before, just the the absolute carnage and the sort of yeah, it was it was it was really it was it was tough to watch, and they were able to show us that um, really well. Um, I, I did see Bardo and Empire of Light, and they were um, both really shot really well. I know Roger Deakins, I think, mm-hmm. did Empire of Light, and he's yes, he yeah, icon. Yeah, he's iconic. Um, uh, Bardo was really cool. Bardo was another one where I was, I, I I love uh, Alejandro uh, Inarritu, mm-hmm. um, and uh, this I don't know if this is. My favorite out of the movies he's done, but the cinematography definitely was a standout for sure. It was it was very abstract. It showed a lot of really um, like it was it follows a, a Mexican journalist sort of mm-hmm. going through his past and you know we it sort of collides with the future as well and it, you see a sort of a lot of events and sort of things pan out in a very sort of big way and it was there was a lot of exciting things happening on screen um so i i would honestly go with all quiet or bardo yeah and i would like that <clears throat> excuse me i would like to see that actually um and i'm and you know um Inaritu's had so his his films are as shot as good as it gets, and I know he switched cinematographers for this one, but um, I'm gonna take your word for it. But I would do think All Quiet on the Western Front will celebrate that category. Now, best animated feature. You know, Chris, I uh, I really started to pre not not that I didn't, but animated films, I really understood its significance as a whole. If that makes sense, like. Mm. Wow, like, I don't know what it is. It, you know, when you watch cartoons as a kid or anime films as a kid, you just just love how it looks. And then really seeing the filmmaking aspects, the older I get, I just appreciate animation a lot more. So mm. I uh, took this category a little more seriously than usual. And um, let me tell you where I think this is going. We have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We have Mark... 
Marcel in the shell with shoes on, which was, I mean, <laughs> I saw that and you can't, that movie just made you smile. <laughs> the great Jenny Slate making that. We mm. have Puss in Boots, The Last Witch, which I was really surprised how good that movie was. That came yep. literally came out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we have Netflix's The Sea Beast and then Turning Red, a Disney film. And this is really tough between Puss in Boots and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I'm going to go with Pinocchio on this one. First of all, I know okay. the Academy loves Guillermo del Toro. But I like, you know, we've seen Pinocchio made hundreds of times. I think there was literally three Pinocchios this year alone. <laughs> yeah. There's a live action Disney one, which... Despite besides Pinocchio, the Disney version actually looking pretty good. Everything else was silly. I didn't like uh, Tom Hanks's Geppetto. The uh, Pauly Shore one was just a joke, and I watched that because I heard it was hilarious. <laughs> but this, <clears throat> I liked how they embrace the more dark aspects of the Pinocchio story. I love how just how beautiful it is, like, everything, and the fact that it's stop motion animation and a two hour stop motion animation, which. He had a lot of uh, hit, sore hands, I'm sure. But I think that was a real accomplishment. And that was one of my favorite films, top five favorite films of the year in general. And I'm going to go with Pinocchio on this one. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Yeah, I, I'm this. I, I'm definitely a little behind on this category. I've only seen Marcel and Puss in Boots. Um, but out of, those, out of those two... Um, I, I gotta go Puss in Boots. I thought Puss in Boots mm-hmm. was fantastic and I was so blown away by how much I, I really loved it. Um yeah. it was it it had a good message about you know facing your mortality and yeah. and, and facing your fears. Um <laughs> it was beautifully animated, queer I think I read somewhere that they they took uh a lot of inspiration from anime. You could tell that clearly mm-hmm. in the in the fights of them like charging each other and right. and, and 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 clips and sequences of that nature. And it, it the voice acting was great. I really really enjoyed the the characters and the the vocal performances. Um, and it, it was just a, a a quick and fun and really joyful and also at times kind of heartbreaking um um uh, animated movie and i i it, i think the biggest thing was that it just shocked me so much i didn't even really intend on seeing it and then i'd heard so many great things about it and i Same had some here. free time had some free time one day and i was just <laughs> like okay i'll go see it and then i really was it was like <laughs> I had already made my top 10 of the year for 2022 and I saw it a little after, but uh, if I had seen it before, then I, it might, it may have made the top 10. Ah, fair enough. And uh, especially 10 years in between sequels, even though it seems to be more of a thing, but um, yeah, just really did it well. And I kind of forgot about it. The, the Puss in Boots character. Cause you know, I didn't, Shrek movie hasn't been made in a long time and there you go. A very fun movie. And that's all you need sometimes. Just a fun movie. And, you know, I will say this year, you know, I love documentaries, but I did not see one documentary in the categories list this year. Did you by any chance? I just want uh, that on I, the record. I, I did not as, as well. I, I, I'm, I 
could definitely be way better about that. The only one I've I've heard of is Fire of Love, but I, yeah. I did not I did not get a chance to see them. For sure. And I just again I just want that on the record. And Fire of Love looks really interesting. I guess it's about these French volcanic volcanologists who unfortunately passed away in a eruption, but they're following their careers and seems tragic, but there must be something to it. But I just want that on the record to not see any of the best doc- documentary films. And it seems all these docu-series are the really ways to go. Even though I could argue some of these documentaries, they should just stick to just making it two hours. And some of them, I think, stretching out a few episodes is a little bit too much. But, you know, that's the story for another day. Mm. And uh, I was wondering if we could quickly talk about the film editing. And I understand some people might not understand what that ultimately means. But the film editing basically honors a move, the best overall flow of the film is the best way I explain it. And um, basically when you see a movie and you just see how one thing goes from the other, how it transitions from one shot to the other, to making it make sense in the story, that's basically how the best film editing category is. And adding all the filmmaking aspects to it, actors' performances, direction, cinematography, how the sound um is successfully placed in how again the overall look basically film editing is just how the film rolls as a whole and for Mm -hmm. that we have the banshees of insurin elvis everything everywhere all at once tar and top gun maverick even though i really want to give it a top gun maverick i just think everything all at once is almost a it's hard to say the perfect movie. There's there's very rare perfect movies. I think the perfect movie, the only two perfect movies I find is Back to the Future and Jaws, where everything just hits perfectly. But everything mm. everywhere all at once, with a very with very few slow moments, I think that um, is close to a perfect movie, and that's why I should get nominated. That's why I should earn a Best Film Editing Award. That's because of how they put everything together. It's like a beautiful cake and all the ingredients plays a part <laughs> and you're satisfied and you're not hungry anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, I agree. I think for them to be able to somehow put all of that together and, and, and have it flow so seamless, seamlessly, especially with sequences where multiverses are cracking onto screen and you have one, one sort of, universe on one side of the screen and one on the other and it looks like you know it's sort of you're sort of in between both of them and jumping from one to the other and and making that make sense and and bringing the audience on a journey i I, in my opinion um it just it, it all melded together beautifully and um especially that there's a seek there's one sequence too i won't get into it too much but where we're seeing a bunch of different universes of michelle yo sort of rapid fire and first of all the amount of like uh, you know costumes and things and animation they had to do for that scene alone is is impressive but just stitching that all together and sort of watching them flash right before your eyes is that alone must have taken hours of work. So I, I think, I think all of that hard work deserves um, recognition. 100%. There you go. Just two more things to go over. One, 
the best visual effects anybody i'm pretty sure anybody knows what this is the overall visual effects of the film and seeing how it's shown on screen whether natural effects or cgi what makes it the most realistic and those categories include all quiet on the western front avatar the way of the water the batman then we have black panther wakanda forever and top gun maverick very hard i think this is probably the most stacked category in my opinion mm. Anybody can win these awesome franchise movies with one huge remake for Netflix. And I just think Top Gun Maverick is the one to select this. Everybody talks Mm. about how this is a special movie that helped show helped save the theater industry if steven spielberg goes up to you and says you saved the film industry tom <laughs> cruise obviously doing something right and yeah that's visual and the visual effects of that film is a huge reason why it was such a success and again all natural effects i think the one thing for this category the less cgi the better the more practical the better and when you have these intense fighter jets coming right at you and some camera operator had to be the one putting that camera there to get the shot and they and and you can't get any better than that i think mm. despite it being a stack category top gun maverick is the film that has to earn best visual effects yeah i could see i i honestly could see it going to either one of the big blockbusters of this year there was like two blockbusters that sort of got everyone in the in the theaters this year top gun maverick amazing flight sequences and um yeah just a a wonderful wonderful effects and then i could also see avatar taking it as well because um I mean, we thought the 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 first movie was revolutionary when it yeah, came right. out in terms of effects. I mean, now it, it, I thought they. I mean that that's what stole that that the effects stole the show for me in Avatar: The Way of Water. I enjoyed Avatar: The Way of Water. I, I wouldn't say I was you know in love with it, but I, I had a good mm-hmm. time at the theater watching it. But I thought the 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 CGI combined with with you know the practical use of of water and 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 you know any sort of practical element i thought that was blended like see, so so wonderfully immersive. yeah you really feel like you're you know swimming with the the navi and yeah um yeah it was it was great i think either one of those it's it's almost 100% going to take it <laughs> Yes, yeah, so bless you. And I just think the narrative Thank and you. screenplay and story didn't work for Avatar. Like it didn't work for the original one. But yeah, visually speaking, it memorized, mesmerizes you. And mm. the last thing I want to discuss, we're actually done with the categories for now. But Chris, why don't you tell me, and with something we do in a little differently than last year, what did you find was the most disappointing movie to come out of 2022 what was a film whether you went in and said like wow i wasted 20 dollars (laughs) or wasted subscription space or whatever what movie really didn't hit it for you for me actually (laughs) what were you gonna say because i i have an answer right away for that okay um i'll let you i'll let you say yours first maybe we're thinking the same Uh, way okay Okay, so my mine was Amsterdam. Yeah, the Amsterdam, David O. Russell, David O. Russell film. I was really, really excited for that movie. 
because uh, I mean the cast is you know almost every A-list actor you could think of yeah right is in that movie and there's some great performances I love Christian Bale so he's he sort of steal, stole the show for me but I just found it the more and the more I thought about it afterwards it was promising towards the beginning and there were some flashbacks I really enjoyed but then I found like the second act all the way to the end of the third act like sort of just I I found myself so uninterested by mm-hmm. the end and I, I was just I was just really let down there was like a I guess they were trying to make it a twist at the end that didn't really have the impact that I that I think they wanted it to have and just in my opinion um and it just it just felt flat for me I don't know it it was it was definitely disappointing and it, and it got more disappointing the more I think about it. actually I don't know if that that was the most disappointing movie for me. The worst movie I saw last year, in my opinion, was Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> I was not a fan of that at all. Really? What well, what made you not like it? I just the performances are good. I was excited to see the cat the, the original cast back. Mm-hmm. Um there were some fun action sequences, I guess. Uh, but overall there was just so much they could do with the premise and they focused on like this random locust plot <laughs> when I, I really just wanted to see like dinosaurs and humans and, and they're sort of trying to coexist, but we, we get this random sub locust plot thrown in and then it, it, it just, and like the big bad at the end, like, you know, we've always got the T-Rex and whatnot. It, it just, it just felt like they were – it just – it didn't work for me. It, it was – you know, the dialogue was was, was really cringy at times, yeah. which you can expect in an action movie like that, and that's fine. But just – yeah, those those two movies were, were, were wildly disappointing for me. Yeah, when it's not fun, it's just straight-up silly and not a good silly. It's the worst. And, you know, go back to Amsterdam really quick. I think it's just – that was a movie of quantity over quality, as you said, just so much talent and they all were just kind of there. And I think it was just it totally didn't make any sense. Um, I didn't even know how I was supposed to feel at certain aspects. And sometimes I think it was a bit too ambitious for its own good. But um, yeah, the, with the exception of the three leads of Bale, John David Washington and Margot Robbie, I think they couldn't save the film ultimately. And not too mm. bad. The worst movie for me was Blonde. I think it was, um, okay. I thought it was a real joke. So the Marilyn Monroe, it's not a biopic because it's completely <laughs> fiction, but there was just some uncomfortable scenes to watch that didn't make any sense. There was, I love Ana de Armas, I really do, but I did not think she yeah. was, think she was miscast in that role. And I just think it's just so excessive and just, just straight up disgusting and gross sometimes. It it is was is not worth it. So I don't think you need to watch it. So don't waste your time. And the movie for me is disappointing. I actually didn't most disappointing for me was Babylon, Damien Chancel's Babylon. Really? Yes, I wasn't I wasn't a fan, Chris. I thought the three hour runtime wasn't justified. I felt Inter- that Okay, interesting. I didn't like the characters in it. There, I didn't know who to root for at times. I really wanted to like it a lot, but by the time the first hour was done, I was already, I was already like, when is this gonna end? Checked out. <laughs> yeah, I was really checked out. I felt it was just once upon a time in Hollywood, 
a little less violent. That's... And it's just the 20s version of that. And you just happen to have two of those leads in there, too. Um, I really didn't like it. I didn't hate it. And I, I did like some of the production design. And I, but sometimes I think like the excessive party in the first act was just, just way too much. Um, and I just think it got really boring at times and I was disappointed. It's, that's that's really interesting because I was actually going to say Babylon was one of the snubs of the year. For yeah, me, really? Like, at the Oscar. Yeah, I, I, I agree. It's similar to Once Upon a Time. It also feels like um, at Boogie Nights as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, I, I, I love Damien Chazelle and I, I, re- I honestly thought I thought it was one of the I for me personally, I, it felt like one of the faster three hour movies for me. I was I was engaged like the whole time. Um, I really enjoy, I enjoyed it a lot, but I, I can understand where you're coming from. I think if that was a two hour movie instead of a three hour movie, I think my opinion would be a lot different. I just think some of the graphic content just didn't make any sense. And then, yeah, that I really think that could really hinder a movie. And I know there's a lot to fit in, but, um, nothing really memorable for me. That's and, fair. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting to see like there. Like just like reading about like the marketing campaign because it seemed like it didn't really do hit at the box office at all. Yeah, and and you make some great points too, and I definitely see why people like it. It's just for me personally, it was just so much all over the place, and because it was so stretched out, I it just didn't work. So, in my opinion, but that's fair. You know, we'll see. Maybe maybe uh, in down the road, it might get a another chance in a revival might. in that sense. But <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I just. If you put me any period piece, I, I'm a sucker in, and it's just mm. when it's just like, uh, I don't know. But uh, mm. maybe they'll do a sequel in the Great Depression and see how that, <laughs> yeah. that films. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. But ultimately, another good year in the movie for the movies in the books. Is there anything you're really excited for next year? By the way, just curious, like this upcoming year, right? Like this year, uh, uh, right now. Off the top of my head, uh, the two that I'm probably anticipating the most are Bo's Afraid by Ari Aster. Mm, uh, yeah, directed, yeah, yeah. Who directed Hereditary Midsommar. And then um, Oppenheimer by Christopher oh, Nolan. We know it's a Christopher Nolan year. <laughs> um and I'll give an honorable mention to the Barbie movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Let us see how uh, Margot Robbie really transforms herself into Barbie and yeah. Ryan Gosling as Ken. Yeah. Um, you can't. You can't get it. You can't tell me you're not excited for Cocaine Bear. Yeah, that apparently oh, is a good movie. Did you see it yet? Oh, I, yeah, I saw it. It was. It was. was it was. It? It was ridiculous in a, in a, in a, in a, in a great way. I love it. And also cra- crazy that it's one of Ray Liotta's. I think it's the last role that Ray Liotta completed. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, it's, it's crazy that, um, that was, he would, though his last role was cocaine bear. He was mm. good. He was very good in it. I, yeah. I wonder if uh, we'll be talking about cocaine bear a year from now. It, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, you never know. <laughs> But yes, I think Oppenheimer is going to be something to be really excited for. I mean, the next Ari Aster, Ari Aster and um, Joaquin Phoenix together. How can you not? How can you not like that? You know, seeing what Dungeons mm-hmm. and Dragons turns out to be. We have John Wick coming out this weekend alone. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's going to be really cool. And um, oh, is it? I'm, I'm sorry. Look, at, I I like to see where what we do, what they do with the next Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. That's oh, that's another there. one. That's yep. gonna be a big deal. Um, a lot of great stuff is on the on the horizon, and uh, how can you not be excited for it? And it's mm-hmm. gonna be a really really good time, and we'll ultimately see where it goes. But for now, that completes our Oscar preview. Like I said, we'll check back in early next week to see how well our expert analysis and predictions <laughs> went. And uh, I really appreciate this, Chris. Thank you so much for another stellar appearance here and uh, always great, gracing us with your great talents. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. I This is, this is great. I love catching up and I'm excited to see the results and if, if we were right or not. <laughs> Oh man, I have a good feeling we uh have maybe a lot we'll get, of good things to talk about. Maybe we'll get a punch this year instead oh, of a slap. Just a straight out brawl at this time, a five minute boxing match, Will Smith and Chris Rock. Yeah. An RKO, maybe. <laughs> Winner gets the Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks again, Chris, for your time. And uh, we'll see you mm. next week. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Oh, no problem, Chris. You're the man, and we'll see you soon. All right. Good night, everybody. How can you not like Chris Bailey? We're so lucky to have him come on time and time again before he really gets that star-making role and he's an A-lister. I am still confident about that. I know that's going to be a thing. And when he's a big-time celebrity and a celebrated actor, I hope he continues to contribute to the show one way or the other. Great job, Chris. We'll talk to you next week as we react to the Oscars. And also next week, and also this Sunday, right before the ceremony, we have Selection Sunday. Men's College Basketball Selection Sunday. That preview show is going to be released on Tuesday. And we're going to release this Oscars reaction show either on Tuesday as well, a nice double feature, or Wednesday. We'll figure it out. But next week, we have two huge shows with not only our reaction to the Oscars, but we also will have our reaction selection Sunday and ultimately our March Madness preview. So lots to do, so much going on in both the world of sports and pop culture. And of course, we have you covered and we're going to create great content along the way with it. So we will see you next week with Chris Bailey, either on Tuesday or Wednesday as we react to the Oscars. And we'll definitely see you on Tuesday with our March Madness preview. And I'll actually be in North Carolina this week visiting some family and taking care of some uh, family stuff. Everything's all right. Don't worry. But I'm just going to be in North Carolina and I'll be working there and I will be working on the show and also watching what I need to watch to give you great to give you great quality content next week. So it's going to be very big. I hope everybody enjoys their weekend. I hope everybody makes big moves. And it's going to be fun. Next week, our reaction to the Oscars and our March Madness preview. And we might throw you something else along the way towards the end of the week. So very, very, very exciting stuff. But with that, my name is Matt Brown. 
I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you to Chris Bailey for his contributions and Alex at Jesus for, for what he does with the show as well. And thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for tuning in every week and always supporting our show. Don't forget to check in on your friends and family, and I'll see you next week. All right, much love, everybody. Peace.